Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. Amen. As you grab your seat, grab your copy of God's Word and go with me to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, a very familiar text, maybe a text that you've memorized today, but I pray that today it would not be uh, familiar to you in the sense that you just gloss over it. I pray that it would be fresh in your heart, that it would do the work that God sent it to do. Beloved, I want to start off this morning by making a statement that in and of itself is not very radical at all. As I say it, you'll likely agree wholeheartedly. You will say yes and amen, but the implications of this statement are radical. Like a lot of things in the Christian life, it's one thing to say it, it's one thing to agree with it, it's another thing to live it out. That's where it gets radical. So are you ready for the statement? Here it is. Christianity is a missionary religion. Christianity is a missionary religion. You need no other proof to the validity of that statement than to look at Jesus Christ himself, the author and the perfecter of our faith. God had only one begotten son, and he was a missionary. He left his home in heaven to cross space and time and culture to bring the good news that sinners can be saved. He went to seek and to save that which was lost without a doubt. Jesus was a missionary, and we in turn are supposed to imitate him, the scripture says. Even as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. In other words, imitate me, Paul said, as I imitate Jesus. That means that since Christ was a missionary, we are to be missionaries too. Someone once said, and rightly so, he said, Every heart with Christ is a missionary. And every heart without Christ is a mission field. Again, Christianity is a missionary religion. That means that we need to be ready to go, ready to take the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. And so today we're going to continue in our series called Hashtag My New Life, where we're focusing in on the measures of Christian growth here at Eastwood. Now, each of these characteristics are characteristics of a new life in Christ. It's what we are striving to be like. And these unique set of measures of Christian growth at Eastwood, are, they're best remembered by the acronym SAMUEL, okay? So three weeks ago, we looked at S, which stands for service, and asks this question, am I using my spiritual gifts? And then two weeks ago, we touched on the letter A, which stands for abide, and asks this question, am I meeting with God daily? Today, we're going to focus in on the letter M, which stands for missions, and asks this one simple question. And I pray it would be the question that you would struggle with all day long, that you would, in your mind, strive with and answer this question. Not with the Sunday school answer, with the real answer. Am I ready to go? If you're a Christian, you should be. The title of today's message is simply, Ready to Go. Ready to Go. So I'm going to invite you to stand to honor the reading of the Word of God this morning. Here at Eastwood, we highly value the Word of God, the power of the Word of God, Today I'm going to be preaching uh, preaching the truth of the message uh, from God's Word, Matthew 28, beginning the 18th verse down through the 20th, and it says this, 
And Jesus said to them, that's the disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, this is your word. And God, it it will not return void. Even today, God, I pray that you would do two things, that you would call to life those who are dead. And then those who are alive already in Christ, God, I pray you would send them out to those who are dead. And that's the way of the gospel. You are always seeking to bring to life those who are dead. So I pray you do that in this room, and you send us out of this room to go take the good news of Jesus Christ around this world. Father, help us to understand this passage. Help us to not just understand it, but to apply it. God, that's what we want to do. We want to live this out. It was meant to be lived. So help us to do that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Grab your seat. So are you ready to go? Here's today's takeaway. It's twofold. Receive the gospel of Jesus Christ and take it to the ends of the earth. Right? There's the twofold aspect of this. Receive and take. Receive the gospel of Jesus Christ and take it to the ends of the earth. Now, before we get to the body of the message this morning, we need to begin at that first part there. Take a moment. We need to camp out just a little bit. Before one can ever take the gospel to the ends of the earth, one must first receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there are several amongst us here this morning who have yet to do that. I I, I just have a feeling. I know there are some, but I have a feeling there are even more who have not yet repented and trusted Christ as their Savior and Lord. Beloved, if that's you this morning, listen to me very carefully. You need salvation through Christ more than the air that you're breathing. You have sinned against God, and you stand guilty before God. And your good deeds, as good as they are, cannot cover over your sin because a guilty person is guilty regardless of how much good they've done. The question is not, have I done good? The question is, have I sinned? And one sin is enough to make us guilty and to condemn us to hell forevermore. And you say, I don't know, preacher. Man, that sounds pretty radical. Even one sin condemns me to hell? And I would lovingly say back to you, you don't know how radical even one sin is. You have sinned against Almighty God who is holy, holy, holy. He is perfect in holiness. And we cannot stand in his presence if we fall short. And fall short we have, right? Romans 3.23 tells us clearly, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our sin deserves the wrath of God poured out on us in hell forevermore. But God sent his son, Jesus, to live that perfect life that you cannot live and to die that death that you deserve. And the scripture says that all who will turn from their sins and trust in Jesus, you'll be saved. Your sin will be forgiven. It'll be washed away. That which once condemned you will be no more. Guys, that means that every person who will believe on Jesus, he earned heaven for you, and he paid hell for you. And he rose to life on that third day after he was crucified. Remember that? Right, the most important moment in history when Christ rose up from that grave and that tomb was empty? He did all, God did all of that to prove to you and to me 
that if you'll trust in Jesus, you will be saved. So I say to you this morning, won't you trust him? Won't you turn from sin and trust him this very hour? Holy Spirit, touch the hearts of those here this morning without Christ. Stir their hearts, open their eyes, convict them of their sin. Call them to Jesus to be saved. And I pray this morning that they will hear a clear call from the Holy Spirit this morning, this moment, to turn and trust Christ. I pray they'll receive the gospel of Jesus Christ this very hour. That's my prayer. That's the first step. But the second step is then to take that gospel to the ends of the earth. We are not gospel hoarders. We are gospel sharers. Remember, every heart with Christ is a what? Everybody say missionary. Every heart with Christ is a missionary. And as a missionary, we are to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Are you ready to go? Our text here, Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, gives us four ways in which we are to go with the gospel to the ends of the earth. So first this morning, as you take the gospel to the ends of the earth, go in the authority of Jesus. Look at verse 28, uh, 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 verse 28, 18, Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, and Jesus came and said to the apostles, that's who he's talking to here, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, when you and I think about the Great Commission, which is what our text is primarily or, or typically called, this is the verse that often gets left out. I mean, and people just forget about it. We, we go right over it because we think we're getting to the good stuff, to the actual commandment there in verse 19. But here you need to understand this morning, church, that in verse 18 is perhaps the most important part of this text. Jesus here is declaring that his kingdom is here, that his kingdom has been established, that he's about to begin a campaign to win the world, to take back what is his now, in the next verse, he's going to send us out. But in this verse, he establishes that he's not some dweeb. He's not some interloper. He's not some pretender. He's the real deal. He is the authority of both heaven and earth. You see, all throughout the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus has been demonstrating his authority. He demonstrated that he has the authority over nature when he rebuked the wind and the sea died down silent. He demonstrated his authority over disease when he healed the blind and the lame and the sick and the mute and the lepers. He demonstrated his authority over demons when he exercised demons from several people throughout the Gospel of Matthew and his ministry. Through the cross, he demonstrated that he has authority over sin. And through the resurrection, he demonstrated that he has authority over death. But here in the capstone... Of Matthew 28, Jesus leaves no wiggle room. He wants to make sure that you and I understand that all that this happened, of course, was in a very little place. I mean, Israel is not a big place, right? About the size of New Jersey, not very big at all. But he wants you to be clear that his authority is not just regional, not just an effect in one area, but it's effective to the ends of the earth. You know what that means for you and for me? Guys, that means that there is not one spot on planet Earth that he does not have authority over. Wherever you put your foot, on land or on sea, know that that spot has been claimed by Jesus. When you go in there to take it, 
You go in the authority of Jesus, right? It's under his authority. One, one commentator said this. He said, now Jesus had received the fullest possible authority, for it is authority in heaven and on earth. He's making clear that the limitations that applied throughout the, the incarnation no longer apply to him. He has supreme authority throughout the universe. Every commission needs an authority to send them out. And I say to you this morning, missionaries, there is no greater authority in the universe than Jesus. And he's sending you out. He's sending me out. That's the authority that you and I go in. So are you ready to go? Second this morning, as you take the gospel to the ends of the earth, Number two is go to all the nations. Go to all the nations. Don't only go in the authority of Jesus, but go to all the nations. Since Jesus' authority covers the entire earth, it's only fitting that he sends us out to the entire earth, to all the nations. Pantata ethne. Look at, the, the, look at verse 19, Matthew 28, 19. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And this, this is good news, right? Because if this wasn't good news, we would be lost because we were the ends of the earth, right? When Jesus gave this commission, I don't know the distance, but we were pretty far from there. We were pretty much the ends of the earth when it came. In fact, I watched a video, and I, I thought about even putting it up on the screens for us this morning, where it pictographically shows the spread on a map of Christianity. And as it spread throughout, throughout the Middle East and Asia and, and Europe and Africa, guess who was last to get it? The Americas. We were the ends of the earth. And praise God that he doesn't desire just one nation or one people group. He desires all nations, all peoples to come under the banner of Jesus Christ. In fact, we get a glimpse of heaven. In Revelation chapter 7, Verses 9 through 12. Here's what we read. Here's the prophetic vision that we're given about the times of the age to come. John says, And after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude. This is in heaven that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, you see, all the nations, tribes, peoples, and languages, they're going to be in heaven at the end of the age. But our responsibility between the cross... And the resurrection to the consummation is to get them there. That's our job, is to get all of the nations in. God has sent us to win all the nations to Jesus. Now, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, look back at today's takeaway. Today's takeaway is receive the gospel and take the what? Everybody say gospel, right? We receive the gospel and we take the gospel. That's how we're going to win 
the world to Christ. Is there a need for clean water around the world? Yeah, there is. Is there a need for hospitals, orphanages, schools, agricultural education, feeding and clothing the destitute and, and those in crisis? Yeah, there's a need for all of that. Is there a need for those who stand against human trafficking? Yes, there is. But if we do all of that and don't give them the gospel, we have utterly failed them. We only alleviated their temporal suffering and have done nothing to alleviate their eternal suffering. All of those social goods must be a, a vehicle to sow the gospel into the lives of the people who are sinners in need of a savior. We must never drift from our actual mission. Jesus did not send us into the nations to dig wells and to conduct dental missions. He sent us to all the nations to preach and to share the gospel. And all of those social goods are fine as long as they remain subservient to the gospel mission and never become the mission themselves. The gospel must remain our motivation. It must remain our mission. Here at Eastwood, we take missions very seriously. We challenge you to pray for missions. We, we challenge you to give to missions. But we also challenge you to go on missions. We have trips. I just want to share with you just a few uh, pictures here for just a moment of some of the things that we do as a church, some places that we go. We have trips like right here in Kentucky, right here in Kentucky, like this one here from Lynch. Lynch uh, the Lynch mission trip, which is a work trip. And, uh, you know, there's some, you know, several folks go to this every year. Joe went to this one this past year, I know, from here from our campus. It's a work trip. It's a way to go and show the love of God through building, using your hands and talking with people throughout that, that, the, the work and, and sharing Christ with them in that way. Uh, it's also building up a, a Christian mission that's there. They, they typically work in a mission center, which uh, carries on the gospel work. And so it, it helps with the gospel mission. Or, or like, secondly, our koinonia family mission. Uh, this is a trip that we started last year. It's, it's a family mission. We had several from our campus go uh, on this trip, and it was a great time uh, to Eastern Kentucky there, Salyersville, Kentucky, sharing the gospel with people in that area. We have a trip to Canada that is working with, with the North American Mission Board Church Planter to take the gospel primarily to First Nations peoples there in Saskatchewan, Canada. Guys, this month in January, I believe it was this month, or was it last month, Last month of this month one was the first worship service for a new church amongst the First Nations people by this church planner, Jason Johnson. Right? We're a part of that. We're so excited about that. We have a team that takes the gospel to the Roma people of Romania, those that we, we typically call gypsies. We don't use that language because that's typically a slur, but they're the Roma people, and we take the gospel to them. We have a team that goes to South Africa to take the gospel to Muslim people there, and we have two teams that take the gospel to Asia. Guys, those are, the, uh, those are opportunities that we have. We hope to have this coming year. Uh, some of those trips are already about to go. But there are lots of opportunities for you to personally get involved in short-term missions here at Eastwood. We have a desire to go to all the nations, okay? But you need to understand that go to all the nations begins across the street. Amen? <laughs> this guy, D.L. Moody, the great evangelist D.L. Moody, he once met this young man on a train who was bubbling over the prospect of going to Africa and winning the heathen, as he called them, for Christ. 
And Mr. Moody asked him a very pertinent question. He said, how many souls, young man, have you brought to the Lord here at home? And after a brief pause, he answered truthfully, I do not know of one soul that I've won. And Moody replied, you need probably best start at home, don't you think, before you ever go to Africa. Beloved, please hear me. I want you to have a heart for the nations, but that heart begins here in Alverton, Kentucky. C.T. Studd once said, the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. And so yes, missions is over there, but it's also right here. This is the first mission field that God has given you because this is where he has planted you. He's put you here to reach this area, to reach this people. And believe me, there are plenty right here that need to hear the gospel. Amen? Amen. And while, while, while we may set aside a few weeks to personally take the gospel to the nations each year, we must dedicate ourselves to personally taking the gospel across the street the other 40-some weeks out of the year. And here's the crazy thing, man. This is, this, this is crazy. God is sending the nations to us. He's sending the nations to us here in America there are 84 unreached people groups. You know what that means? When, when we say unreached people groups, an unreached people group is defined as having 0.1% or less Christian adherence and no evidence of a self-sustaining gospel movement. And we have 84 of those right here within our borders. Undoubtedly, some of them live right here in Kentucky, even right here in Bowling Green. These are our neighbors. We pass them in the grocery stores. Our children go to school with them, and they need the gospel. And we have the gospel. And so we go to tell them the gospel. Whether you go to the nations there, either here or there, it doesn't matter. As long as when we go, we take the gospel with us. And give it to them. And so are you ready to go third? As you take the gospel to the ends of the earth, go to make disciples. Go to make disciples. Jesus in Matthew 28, 19 and 20 said this. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, it's important here to understand that, 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 that the word go there is actually not the primary verb here in the Greek, in the original language of, of the Gospel of Matthew. Go is actually, you maybe have heard this before, in the original language is a, is a, is a participle. It's an ING verb, going, going. You know, it literally could be translated as you are going. So the primary verb here in this great commission is actually methetusate, right? Uh, make disciples. That's our primary job. That's our primary job. The go gets us moving, but the target is to make disciples. Now, I want to say to you this morning that it is a much different thing making disciples than it is to get somebody to pray a prayer or to get someone to ask Jesus into their heart. A disciple is one who doesn't just give lip service. A disciple is one who takes up the cross and follows Jesus. I, I heard an African pastor say this past weekend. 
And he, he's there every day preaching and teaching and leading a, a church movement to reach that nation, that, that continent, even for Christ. And he said if the numbers that we see reported out of Africa for those who have been converted to Christ, if they were accurate, the entire continent of Africa would have been reached a dozen times. You see, it's not enough to simply get someone to say, yeah, Christ is Lord. We have to help them to become a disciple. We need to help them to follow Jesus. And Jesus here breaks down what it means to be a disciple into two aspects. And he gives us two actions to correspond with those two aspects. The first aspect is conversion to Christ. If you're going to be a disciple, you have to come to Christ, convert to Christ, follow Christ. This is where we share the gospel with a lost person and they see their sin. They turn from their sin and they trust Christ. It's, it's represented in the commission by the word baptize. Baptize. Now, getting into the waters of baptism makes you no more a Christian than it makes you a fish, okay? But it is the biblical public profession of faith. So when a person repents and trusts Christ and is saved, they enter the water to tell the world that Jesus has saved them. So baptism is publicly identifying as a convert of Jesus. In other words, you're saying, I was once dead, but now I'm alive. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was once blind, but now I see you've been converted. You've been born again. You've been saved. And you enter the waters to testify to that reality. But once we get to that point, our commission isn't over. He didn't just say baptize them, did he? What did he say? Baptize and then teach them, doesn't he? Being a disciple is more than merely being a convert. That's where we come to that second aspect, where that second aspect kicks in. And that's, if you're going to be a disciple, there's an obedience factor to it. Jesus says, after you baptize them, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. This is typically what we call discipleship. But call it whatever you want. We must teach people the Bible. We must help them become more like Jesus we must help them grow in holiness. We must help them follow Jesus in obedience. And our commission is not done until we do that with people. Discipleship is the goal. Evangelism is just the beginning. There's so much more that could be said, perhaps needs to be said on that. But I'm going to move on finally. Number four, as you take the gospel to the ends of the earth, finally go and don't stop. Until Jesus returns. Go and don't stop until Jesus returns. He closes out this great commission here in verse 20 with these words. Matthew 28 verse 20. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That should be a comfort to you and me, beloved, because as we take the gospel, as we fulfill this great commission, we never go about it alone as we take Jesus to the nations, Jesus goes with us. As we take the gospel across the street even to our neighbors, Jesus goes with us. He is with us and will never forsake us. Many of you have probably memorized this verse from the King James translation where it ends this way. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And lo, I am with you always, even 
to the end of the world. Well, this young Chinese convert whose given name was Lo, he became really excited when he first read Matthew 28, 20. As this newborn babe in Christ, he looked at the word Lo, and he said, that's me, aglow with the joy of his newly discovered partnership with God. He exclaimed, look, missionary, it says, Lo, I am with you always. And I say to you this morning, would that we would see this verse as personally as that young Chinese convert did. Ben, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Phil, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Shelly, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Shirlene, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is with us. Amen? Personally with us. You don't do it alone. I know you tremble and shake when you think about going and sharing the gospel. But you don't do it alone. You don't do it in your own power. He's with you. He's with you. But here Jesus also gives us the expiration date on this commission. When does it expire? The end of the age. You see, beloved, there's a time coming when Jesus will bring this age to a close. When Jesus, who came once in the flesh, will come again in the flesh. He who once arose into the sky will descend from the sky. He will return and bring about the end of this age before he ushers in the eternal age. He brings in his eternal kingdom. And when he returns, and we've got to get this in our mind this morning. When he returns, there will not be another opportunity for the world to come to Christ. At that moment, heaven and hell will be fixed. Our job between now and then is to get as many into heaven before that day comes. How are you doing on that? How are you doing in bringing people to heaven? How are you doing in sharing the gospel? Again, we know that they'll never repent and trust Christ if we don't share with them the gospel of Christ. And so you say, I would love to see people saved. Well, then are you sharing the gospel that will save them? Maybe we're just not motivated enough. Suppose that someone were to offer you a thousand dollars for every soul that we might earnestly try to lead to Christ. A thousand dollars for every soul that we might earnestly try to lead to Christ. Ask yourself this one question. Be honest with yourself. Would you try to lead any more souls to Jesus than you are now if you were getting $1,000 for every time you sincerely shared the gospel with someone? Is it possible that you would attempt to do more for money or even, uh, no, no, regardless of the risk of the blunders or, or, or the ridicule you might get, you would attempt to do more for money than what we hesitate or shrink from doing now in obedience to God's command, I, I, I just wonder, is our love for money stronger than our love for God or for souls? Beloved, God is offering you, he's offering you something much greater than money. Every time you share the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody, you get the joy of potentially seeing someone come to Christ. And if you've ever experienced that, if God has ever used you to win somebody to Jesus, it is, there's really no greater joy on the planet 
right, than to see someone come to Christ. But not only that, he's also offering the joy of the master who has commanded you to go so that you in the end may hear, well done, good and faithful missionary. In 1879, Charlie Peace Charlie Peace was a well-known criminal in London, and he faced execution by hanging. And when he marched to the gallows, a minister walked behind him. In keeping with custom, the minister read aloud this passage from a prayer book. Those who die without Christ experience hell, which is the pain of forever dying without the release with which death itself can bring. When the minister read these chilling words, Charlie Peace stopped marching, turned to the minister, and shouted, Do you believe that? And the startled minister stammered for a moment and said, well, I suppose I do. And the criminal said, well, I don't. But if I did, I would get down on my hands and knees and crawl all over Great Britain. Even if it were paved with pieces of broken glass. If I could rescue just one person from what you have just told me. Now, beloved, we don't respond like that half-hearted minister there. We respond with a full heart. We believe that. We believe that if those in this world die without Christ, they will see hell. Therefore, we must go. We must go and let nothing stand in our way. And know this, if you will go, if you will go across the street, if you will go across the state line, if you will go across the national border, if you will go across the oceans, you will see people come to Christ. Christ died that the world would be saved. And he has chosen to use you and me to accomplish that. Are May you and the nations, my final prayer, be glad in Jesus, the good news. Jesus is the good news. Let's go share it. Amen. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first, I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, the straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a Savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus to be your savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live, and he stood condemned on the cross, dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that he is indeed the savior of the world. And now Jesus 
longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what he has earned, which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us. And I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.